0: Hello and welcome to Dr. Fitness USA, the show. Exercises, Medicine, strength training is stronger medicine. With your host, Batista Grimaud, and myself, Stephen Hersey, a.k.a. Dr. Fitness USA.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dr. Fitness USA, the show. Today, we have an amazing guest for you. Dr. Ali Lankarani is a clinical neuroscientist, an inspirational speaker, a best-selling author, and an international mentor. Dr. Ali Lankarani has been voted twice as America's top doctor. He's affectionately known as Dr. L, the parent whisperer, the legacy builder's mentor, as well as the Live Your Calling speaker. He's on a mission to support, inspire, and empower families and experts to step into their thrive and live a legacy for the next generation. Dr. L is the founder of Family Circle and the Legacy Builders community and the creator of Role Model Makers and the amazing Parents Network. What an amazing uh, resume you have here. Today, the topic of our conversation is the mind-body connection, one of my favorite topics. Welcome, Dr. Rell.
2: Thank you, Batista. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. and Let's have fun.
1: Let's do that. So to start, why don't you tell us about yourself, your personal story and how you came to do what you do?
2: Absolutely. Uh, So I um, grew up in Iran and uh, when I moved to the United States, I pursued a career in medicine. Uh, My background is actually in chiropractic medicine. And, uh, over the time, over time, basically I started focusing more on pediatrics, then I went into neuroscience and clinical neuro neurology, where I started having my private practice, uh, helping families who had children with autism spectrum disorders. So my main area of focus was brain development and how human brains develop. uh, because, uh, we are the only species on the planet whose brain is not fully developed. We are not viable entities when we come out of the mother's womb, basically. And, and this is because our heads are too big to fit through the birth canal. So, so we need to have that development happen pretty much after we are born in the first couple of years of life. Uh, and for some of the more experienced adults uh, and parents, they might say first couple of decades of life. Um, so, um, So that process taught me a lot about what it takes to actually optimize the human brain, the components that goes into supporting it, it, nourishing it, and ultimately being able to make sure that it functions as best as it can and manifest who you are as a person in life. So so basically what has happened is over, uh, when I had my private practice, I, I worked for about 10 years there, but eventually I wanted my message to be seen in a bigger way globally, because many of the conditions that those kids were suffering from were things that parents inadvertently did not know better about. And they're equally important for kids as well as adults. And the beauty of it is that we can alter the brain function at any age. Uh, So if you ask any stroke victim, they know that something around 80% of the functions that might have been lost because of a stroke can come back within a year. Um, So that tells us that the neuroplasticity that exists in the brain It's not specific to just kids, that it actually continues well into adulthood and the later years of our lives as well. Uh, So I wanted to make sure that families knew this, not only to optimize their kids' lives, but also to optimize their own potential and be best role models for their families as well. Hence the company being called Role Model Maker, basically. Uh, Now, in all of this, naturally, I implemented what I learned from neurology and our universe somehow has this amazing way of kind of uh, replicating itself. Right. So we have the atoms, then we have the solar system, then we have the galaxies, and they all seem to be very similar in the way they're formed. Right. And when it comes to our neurology and how we structure our life from the personal life and the internal life to all the way, ultimately how we show up as a civilization seem to be the same way where we actually go ahead and create a hologram for lack of a better word uh, and kind of uh, exponentially growing the same model over and over again so so i use the same model when it comes to your brain your fitness and so on and so forth
0: ordinarily we think of a chiropractor that you go in And they take uh, x-rays and they give you an analogy and they tell you that uh, your posture is off. You have uh, subluxations between the vertebrae. So when somebody comes to see you, your former background and chiropractor, are you using what I would say therapy where you're taking an analysis or conversation or report from where the person is at? and then you're using your information as in a talking therapy type of situation, or are you involved doing an adjustment plus talking therapy? Uh, What I want to know is the uh, uh, method that you're, uh, or the avenue of success that you're taking when you introduce yourself to the patient. And before answering that, I want to know, are you one of those men that know that exercise is very important? So every once in a while you get up and you do a couple of lifts with that barbell in the back.
2: <laughs> so um, so the answer to the first question is that uh, my practice, the way I practice, and I'm hoping most of my colleagues are in the same boat, uh, is evolved over time. Because as you basically learn new skills as you gain experience, hopefully you're implementing that and you're improving your technique and your procedures. One of the things that I realized early on, and I saw even in a greater extent once I became a clinical neuroscientist, was the fact that the greatest component of the therapy or adjustment wasn't actually the physical act of moving the joint, but the actual signal that it sent to the brain that activated it so that the brain now could work from a top-down approach and actually correct the body and make it healthy. Uh, so for most people, you know, during the last century, they wanted to look for this magic pill that's going to cure everything or solve everything, right? Right. Uh, And then when we decided to switch to the more more alternative methods, we still adopted the same, same method. So instead of pharmaceuticals, we were looking for supplements, basically. Take this supplement for this kind of an ailment or this kind of symptom. Well, that still is the same thing that you're trying to address symptoms as opposed to have this inside out approach. And our brain and our physical body is capable of addressing most of those things that show up in life. And and if you're healthy, we should be able to overcome those uh, challenges and obstacles. So that's the first part. The second part to your question was about fitness and exercising. Now, that's not my barbell. That's a virtual barbell. So I would be very proud to lift that a thousand times. (laughs) But... um, Having said that, yes, physical fitness and exercise is extremely important, uh, and I'm hoping that we get to discuss that during the session as to why uh, that's an important thing, not only in shaping our brain's uh, development, but also the role that it plays in us staying healthy through the year.
1: I hear that you have a, a personal experience with your own Health, or something that happened, I, I don't exactly know why, but that pushed you to realize that exercise was important. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, actually, it's a for me, just like most people, even though I'm a physician, I was recommending things to my, my patients. Um, I myself have had health challenges ever since I was 18, 19 years old. I was told that I have high cholesterol and the remedy for them was to cut out all the fat because if you have fat in your bloodstream, obviously you must be consuming too much fat. Uh, and I should have known better because what they recommended did not help. In fact, what it did was, uh, it actually made the symptoms, uh, go dormant for 20 years while the actual condition continued to worsen to the point where i became uh glucose intolerant basically at at one point Uh, because when you take out the proteins and the fats guess what's left in the diet sugars now you're consuming extra sugar and that is actually uh speeding up the problem so over the course of the better part of a quarter of a century Despite the fact that I had aced my biochemistry, despite the fact that I was recommending nutrition to my my patients, uh, I was struggling with this myself. And ultimately, I discovered what I needed to do, something that not only jived with the brain, but also with my body. Now, here's the thing uh, with the biochemistry of the body. I addressed the nutritional component of it, but just like we talk about it with the children, the brain doesn't just need the nourishment. There are four different components um, to the brain. Now, four components necessary for its support. One of those, of course, is nourishment. Another one is rest. Another one is adequate oxygenation. And then the last and probably the most important one is actually neural stimulation via movement in gravity. That means that whenever you have gravity, there's weights. And if there's weights, that means that you're working against gravity. And that's one of the things that happens with astronauts without the gravity, their brain actually shrivels up and that's why they have to work out in the space station and they still lose their bone density end up with cardiovascular issues and all of those other things that needs to be addressed once they come back to, uh, to earth. Um, so, you can do everything else right. You can have the proper nutrition. You can have the proper rest. You can have the proper oxygenation. But the reality of it is if you've provided all the building blocks for your brain, but you do not provide the stimulation, then the brain still atrophies and disintegrates basically. And we saw that with children as well. And one of the things that I realized after I gained my health back as far as the cholesterol and the biochemistry side of it is that, for instance, there are times, and probably some of our audience members recognize this too, you wake up and you haven't even started your day, but the problems or the challenges that are in your day seem larger than life, right? And you're not looking forward to getting out of bed. So you you can't put a reason behind it, but you start looking for, for clues, for biases, for confirmation of why you feel that way. So you could say I'm a low on energy or I need to take this supplement or whatever it happens to be. But the reality of it is that many times, if you simply get up and you start going through your morning routines of shower and moving about by the end, by the time that you're done with your morning routine and you're ready to step out into the world, Your problems have shrunken, they've gotten smaller, you feel more up to the task, basically. That happened because of movement. And people don't realize this: that how you view your world, how you see your challenges, how you see opportunities, what you feel about your relationships, all of this comes back to movement. And of course, this movement, as we discussed already, has to happen within gravity, and there is a basically a component of it that is involved with uh, moving your body weight or moving something that requires you to work against some kind of a resistance basically. Uh, And that becomes important.
1: So that's very interesting. So can you define the difference between movement, uh, fitness and strength? Because there's many types of different exercise modalities. And as you know, we, dr fitness usa we promote strength strength training and we know by experience that there is a big difference between walking or lifting weight or doing yoga or stretching or swimming so can you from your perspective define the difference
2: very good uh, actually the point goes back to how you're we actually built So we have two different muscle fibers. We have our white muscle fibers, and we got the red muscle fibers. Most of the activities that happen during the day integrate and bring about the utilization of our white muscle fibers, the ones that are responsible for endurance, for sustaining the position in space. Like, think about walking, for instance. That's basically over time, or think about your posture, for instance. All of these require your white muscle fibers to engage. Now, your white muscle fibers don't necessarily use too much of the oxygen. So naturally, it's a completely different different metabolic process when it comes to uh, that. Your white muscle fibers are responsible for uh, a lot of your fitness stuff, things that Like you go through your daily routine without injuring yourself or being sore the next day and those kind of things. That's your white muscle fibers. However, you also have this thing called the red muscle fibers. The red muscle fibers have a very different metabolic process. They utilize oxygen and they are responsible for strength, right? So when you look at your day and you look at the type of stuff that has to happen, the routine stuff doesn't require added strength. The stuff that is a surprise and life has its surprises requires the integration of the white as well as the red muscle fibers, because all of a sudden your brain doesn't have to rely on your cerebellum, which is the one that does routines, right? It has to rely on your frontal cortex, which is executive function, an alteration of things that are routine to you. And that's difficult. That's the difference between learning to ride a bicycle versus riding a bicycle once you've learned it, right? You don't have to think about riding a bicycle. Strength training requires that focus, that concentration. That requires the frontal part of your brain, the executive function part that is responsible for prioritization, decision-making, concentration, uh, emotional intelligence, and empathy. All of these things come from the frontal part of your brain. So when you strengthen that part of your brain, when you're strengthened through movement, that part of your brain, red muscle fibers, one of the things that you are actually doing is you're improving your focus and concentration and things. But you also, what you're doing is you are coordinating, just like riding a bicycle, you're becoming coordinated. You are teaching your brain to get coordinated and utilizing the muscle fibers, simultaneously and in a synchronized fashion, all right? Once you learn it, it switches, and you don't have to think about it. But that process, when we talk about strength training, requires using the deeper brain centers that actually coordinate the different parts of the brain. They're the maestro of the brain, right? So it becomes really, really important for you, like the strength doesn't come from Uh, you know, having one big muscle. It's like how many muscle fibers can you fire up at the same time and in a certain fashion or certain order to achieve a certain task, right? So that barbell requires the stabilization of your shoulders, requires the stabilization of your core, requires the utilization of your biceps and brachioradialis muscles and your pec muscles and all of these in order for you to be able to move it. That doesn't come from your white muscle fibers. That comes from the red muscle fibers, and they're short duration. They're not like you're not doing 30 sets of 50 reps and like getting it to exhaustion. You're getting it to the point where you're utilizing the muscle fibers, breaking it down, making sure that it grows basically. So, strength is the red muscle fibers basically, and that utilizes the front part of the cortex. I hope that
1: was and so you know I know that research has found that strength training specifically had the ability to even reverse or prevent neurodegenerative diseases. So it's related to what you're saying, right?
2: Right. So so let's go back to the brain and how it develops. So think about this. Your brain is inside of this skull, which is dark and is isolated from the world, right? Yet every decision, every impression of the universe that you have has to come via signals to the brain. The brain has to recreate this in some form of chemical, electrical fashion inside, build a network that holds it, and then for you to be able to process that and then give a real response, an appropriate response to the world at large, right? So when that view that's coming in is distorted, Your response ends up being distorted, right? So, the healthier your ability to to integrate this material together and create the real world as it exists outside of your skull, the better your response is going to be, whether it's your behavior, whether it's your decisions on taking action on something, all of that, right? So, that process requires these neurons to interact with each other first connecting one neuron to another, ultimately building systems, then connecting the neurons in the brain to the body, because without the body, the brain can't survive, right? And then finally, once the brain, mind, and body are connected, now you can also connect to the universe at large and take in signals and interact with it and give signals back, give responses back, right? So that process is the same when it comes to... Uh, the training that we were talking about. So if you do not connect the mind and body because you're not doing this training, what happens is you're giving it the fuel, you're giving it rest, you're giving it oxygen, but what is it gonna do with it? The neurons are not stimulated, so they lose their connection, their atrophy. So dementia and Alzheimer's and all of those things, the degenerative disorders that are there, in addition to things within your body, like muscle atrophy, sarcopenia, um, bone uh, atrophy, like osteoporosis, all of these things start coming about and you see these degenerative processes throughout the body because when the signals are not going up, the response also is not coming back down. Mm -hmm. So when you see somebody who has become, uh, who has lost control, like say for instance, they become hemiplegic or quadriplegic, you can stimulate the muscle but if you don't have the connection that goes up to the brain and back, the muscle still atrophies. It doesn't stay. So it becomes important to maintain this connection and strength training through that stimulates your central nervous system becomes really, really important for that. So running on the treadmill that's gonna exercise very little bit of your muscle fibers. The other thing is that a lot of your red muscle fibers exist in your big muscle groups, right? So your big muscle groups are also responsible for pumping fluids through the system, whether it's your blood, whether it's your lymphatic system, which is part of your immune stuff exists there, or whether it is your glands, uh, like your digestive system, your hormones, uh, those things also you get activated. You 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 create something called a growth hormone when you stimulate these muscles. That growth hormone is actually affecting deeper parts of your brain that are uh, adjust to your autonomic nervous system. So your blood pressure, your pulse, all of these things that ultimately determine your longevity and your ability to recreate cells and heal yourself. So uh, as far as your what what is the world called for? Um, for keeping your youth, uh, the, the word escapes me.
1: Anti-aging? Um, anti aging? Yeah, anti aging. Anti-aging? All, all uh-huh.
2: Become important. Also, your DNA, the telomeres at the end of your DNA, all of these are, are responsible for cellular metabolism and regeneration. These things are all getting affected through that kind of exercise. So, at a cellular level, you're changing your structure so that it is more optimal. For survival, more resilient and longer lasting.
1: So, you're the parent's whisperer. Do you, at, at what age would you recommend a, chi- a child or a, a teenager to start engaging in strength training?
2: So, that's a good question uh, because I have kids and I wanted to know what's the right age for it. Now, when you look at it, um, younger. Um, Humans, basically, their bones are still forming, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. So, if you put too much pressure on the long bones, it can seal the uh, epiphyseal uh, plates, which is the growth plates. So, you want to make sure that you find the right time for it. So, usually, the right time for it happens to be right around uh, adolescence turning into teenage years, basically, when the hormones of the child are starting to kick in. And when you start seeing the uh, the development of the person into adulthood, young adults, basically, that's usually a great time to start naturally with everything. You start out light, but then you build on it. Uh, and children, uh, kids, uh, they, they advance really quickly. So for them, the bigger concern is making sure they get adequate rest and they don't push themselves too hard because uh, at that age, Uh, they don't feel fatigue. Their muscles and tissues are metabolically extremely active. So they will go beyond the point of uh, fatigue and create damage before they recognize it. So burnout is a bigger issue for them than it is for for adults, basically. For us, when we get tired, that's it. We can't do anymore. But for them, they don't feel that tiredness. So they'll continue and push right through it. And amazingly enough, you can make huge gains, but ultimately, our goal is not for them to be, uh, you know, strength training for only the first 10 years into their adult life. We want to make sure that this is a lifelong habit that they're building. So we want to make sure that this is something that's sustainable for another 30, 40, 50 years mm-hmm. for them. Um, and and um, so, so gauging it at the beginning and making sure you don't go beyond that point is important. Beautiful
0: caution one of the things that we take concerns about with personal training as opposed to the body design formula system is that when we're working with young adults and they've experienced their friends or their trainers they're doing an exercise and we're teaching them not to do things that are uncomfortable to learn how to pace themselves to stay in a moderate range so they can Include other modalities or things in their life as a 360-degree rounded person. Yet the trainer sees that the person is ergonomically not comfortable, or they're uh, telling the person that it, you know, we, we can see when somebody's coming to the end of their their effort, and the trainer is saying, "Come on." Let's do more! Come on, five more, six more, seven more, and I have to lecture—not the trainer, but the student—that I don't want to ever see that happening. So, Dr. L, uh, uh, what tips or what what tips or secrets uh, do you can you tell us to overcome these challenges that appear in your practice?
2: Um, So as far as the challenges, uh, one of the main things when it comes is a little bit of knowledge could be dangerous. So you want to, number one, make sure that you're working with somebody who knows what they're doing and has full access to how your body works, understands the points of fatigue, the points of proper biomechanics, all of those things. So that's one part because that in itself is something that takes time to master and not everybody that goes to the gym has taken the time to study those and understand those and see them in practice and experience it as well, which is very important. That's number one. Number two is that you also need to have regiments and schedules and build it into your lifestyle because if it doesn't become a habit, And you don't do it regularly then sooner or later you fall off of it and when you fall off of it getting back on it becomes difficult because before you can go ahead and start seeing results many of these people often suffer burnout Uh, and the burnout is not happening because they're pushing themselves too hard the burnout is happening because they've put in the effort at one point but now they're not seeing the results because they lost the results. And now they're trying to gain back the results that they had already put the effort there. So it becomes really important for that consistency and the habit to be there. And the best way to do that is to find support. Uh, and this is the same way that the brain works. You know, a lot of times when we were in clinic and there's this part of the brain that didn't work, the best way to make sure that it is up to the task and activates itself and gets stimulated is to actually take the surrounding areas of that part of the brain and stimulate those. So when you have somebody encouraging you, when you have somebody who's saying, hey, I'll see you tomorrow at seven, this is all part of that activation, part of that support that is going to help you make sure that you build the habit, make sure that you do things right, make sure that you have the consistency of um, delivering, basically. Uh, So those are the big parts. The support and accountability is usually the biggest thing that I see as a challenge for people uh, because I'm not interested in somebody saying, hey, you know what, I want to have this kind of muscles and I want to get ripped in six months because in six months, fine, let's say you achieve that goal. If you don't have the habit, you're going to lose it again over the next 10 years, 20 years. So it's much more important for you to build that habit and keep it for 25, 30, 40 years, basically. And that comes with support and accountability.
1: So you, I hear you have a free gift for our audience.
2: Uh, yes, uh, so oftentimes I talk about how the brain works Uh, and I talk about those four things that I mentioned. Um, So the gift that they have is how to remove brain fog, basically. Uh, And this is something that is very prevalent in modern day uh, people, uh, because we have become a sedentary uh, civilization. We are born into cribs, and from cribs to the car seats, and from the car seats to the strollers, and from the strollers to the Fastenets at home and it just doesn't stop. And then from there to the seats behind the computer. So we want to make sure that you uh, understand and prioritize the things that are required for your brain to function optimally. Because without supporting your brain, the brain can not support you in achieving what your mission and your passions are in life. Uh, So that's basically the gift. It's called keys to removing brain fog.
1: Beautiful. I'm sure everybody will very much appreciate that. So how can people learn more about you? Where should they go to find you?
2: Um, We have a myriad of events that are done globally uh, year-round, but probably the best place to get the heads up and the notifications for this is our Facebook group uh, called RoleModelMaker.com. That's the easiest place to find out. Of course, you can uh, find out more about me Uh, via LinkedIn as well, but uh, Facebook Role Model Maker uh, is the best place to be at.
1: Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to talk about?
2: So I always end with this, that do not underestimate your power, the power of your choices, right? So optimize your brain and you can optimize humanity's potential. Uh, the model that inside our brain, how it forms and how it evolves and how it manifests itself in our life, literally shapes our relationships, shapes our career paths, shapes our um, our communities, our country as well as the global civilization that we have called humanity. Uh, so optimize your brain and you can optimize
1: humanity's potential. Wow. That was profound. Thank you so much for that. And so we're coming to the end of this beautiful, amazing interview with Dr. L. It's been another great time at Dr. Fitness USA, the show. And I want to thank you so much for being here and uh, taking the time to talk to our audience. Thank you so much.
2: It has been my pleasure. Thank you, guys.
0: Hello,
1: and welcome to Dr. Fitness
0: USA, the show. Exercise is medicine, strength training is stronger medicine. With your host, Batista Grimaud and myself,
1: Stephen Hersey, a.k.a. Dr. Fitness USA.